Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have on the show Cameron Ryan from Exclusive Business Brokers talking all about an interesting new term of EBITDAC. EBITDAC, you say? What in heck is this? Well, Cameron and I dig into the concept of a bit dack in this episode. Now, Cameron comes to us with a history in business broking spanning all the way back to 2009. He has a Bachelor of Commerce, a Graduate Diploma of Applied Finance and Investments, and is a registered business valuer and certified practicing business broker with the Australian Institute of Business Brokers. Now, that was a mouthful, wasn't it? So he is certainly um, more than qualified to talk to us about this new topic today of this new headline, EBITDAC. So in order to drill into EBITDAC, what it is and how it's relevant for you, your business sale and your business valuations, Buckle in right now as we investigate it all with Cameron. Here we go. Cameron, huge thank you for coming on to the Deal Room podcast today. It's so good to see you here. Thanks so much for having me. Wonderful. Now, of course, we are talking about an interesting topic today, EBITDAC. Now, we've all heard of EBITDA or EBIT, but EBITDAC I've never heard of. And you mentioned this term, uh, in fact, at a conference recently with a um, group of brokers. And um, I heard that term and I thought, goodness gracious me, I must have Cameron come onto the podcast and talk to us about EBITDAC. What is EBITDAC and where did this come from? Yes, certainly. Uh, EBITDA is a term that we're very familiar with in the business valuation and business brokerage space. Um, Earnings before interest, tax depreciation, amortization. Um, something that we, we use as a, um, a measurement uh, of how a business has performed over a period of time. Um, we make adjustments um, depending on what's on profit and loss statement um, for a particular business to come up with normalised EBITDA um, to take out any abnormal or non-business related expenses or income. Okay, now I'm going to stop there for a moment um, because I know you're talking about what an EBITDA is as an intro into EBITDAC, but I just want to drill in on a couple of things there. So the normalization, uh, I, I think it's a really good point that you're making right here, you, you know, bringing up normalization of accounts, because I find um, that many sellers don't really understand that this is something that will happen to their accounts or that needs to happen to their accounts prior to going on to the market. And from a buy side, I often find buyers um, you, you know, who haven't run this gauntlet before, maybe don't fully understand what that adjustment to the account means. So can you just step us through this super quick, just in, you, you know, a couple of a couple of ideas, like what's an example of what we're doing when we're normalising the accounts? Yes, certainly. So the financial statements for a business will present the profit and loss statement as has been recorded 
uh, and often it includes non-business related or non-core income and expenses. So these might be things such as foreign currency gains or losses, profit and loss on sale of uh, non-current asset. You might have donations that have been made through the business. You might have fines and penalties. Um, you might have one-off expenses. So if you upgrade your computer system, you might see your computer expenses for a particular year increase dramatically, but then drop down to a normal amount. So when we look at uh, EBITDA over a period of time, um, per the profit and loss statements provided by the vendor or the vendor's accountant, we need to make adjustments, so either deductions or additions, um, to adjust for these abnormal or non-business related income and expenses to determine what you would call the true profitability of that business, excluding those abnormal income and expenses. Um, so, and that's what we refer to in the industry as normalised earnings or normalised EBITDA. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Cameron. Now you can continue. I uh, I just wanted to drill into that a bit more because I think it's useful. It's interesting. Good information. Sorry, continue. So usually we then have our normalised account. Yeah, so we, we come up with normalised EBITDA um, and traditionally um, that's just what we've used uh, whether you're looking at a, a profit and loss statement monthly, quarterly or annually. Um, it allows for all those abnormal or non-core uh, income expenses to be adjusted for. Um what I've been seeing um, through these unprecedented times and now that we're at the back of COVID, what we're seeing is that post-COVID, during which we've undergone two years of quite unprecedented times, is that we're seeing profit and loss statements in certain businesses and certain industries that have been affected by COVID in one way or another. Some businesses and industries have thrived and really seen a significant uplift during COVID. Others have been decimated. Um, they've seen a, a huge hit to their revenues and therefore their profitability. Um, talking with a couple of accountants um, and what we've uh, started to discuss is this term of EBITDAC. So earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, amortisation and COVID. And <laughs> See, I love it. This is why it's so good. And COVID. Love it. Love it. Sorry, and, I just uh, had to stop. That was too funny. Okay, continue. When I, when I first heard the term, I also you know, had a reaction like you did. I, I laughed and thought, well, that, that sounds ridiculous. But the more businesses that I'm looking at now that we're doing appraisals for and that we're doing uh, business valuations for, the more appropriate I'm starting to think the term EBITDAC becomes. Um, there is a time period. So effectively, we've had the last quarter of FY20. The entire financial year ended 30 June 2021. And effectively, the first two quarters of FY22 impacted by COVID. During this time, we've had different uh, trading conditions, depending on what your business is doing. We've seen huge um, government stimulus packages and government grants. Um, and we've seen a huge um, variation in certain costs. So a good example is the cost of bringing a shipping container into the country went up significantly during COVID and now it's come back down. What I'm seeing is for that time period, so roughly uh, last quarter of FY 2020 through to the quarter two of FY 2022, um, there is a huge, um, not calling, but it becomes very appropriate to start to look at this term EBITDAC. Um, an example that I was, uh, I thought was probably worthwhile mentioning or bringing up is a business that I've uh, had on the books for a while, and it's the importer and distributor of vaccine and medical fridges and freezers. This business was started seven years ago, so well before COVID, and it's got some very reliable trading statements from that um, pre-COVID time. But as you can imagine, when COVID hit, vaccine fridge and freezer sales went through the roof. So what I'm seeing is 
when I analyse his figures now and I look at the, especially for FY21, so the 12 months ended 30 June 2021, he has had a, a one-off year during which revenues were up about 250% uh, on the year before. And then in FY22, we've seen those revenues drop back again. This is a good example of where I think that the presentation of an EBITDA figure will become very relevant um, when putting that business uh, to the marketplace and trying to explain to a buyer or demonstrate to a buyer uh, what the true earnings were during that um, period. So by calculating, calculating an EBITDA, I'm actually going to take out about 25% of the revenue from that FY21 year because it's a one-off and it's not appropriate to have it in there when formulating or coming up with what you might call normalised earnings and trying to develop an average over a three or four year period. Mm. It's fascinating, actually, because most uh, most transactions and many transactions come to us um, after this argy-bargy in relation to the figures is done. So it's, it's it, you know, I, I love sort of looking at where we are in terms of what people are seeing right now um, in that, uh, you know, valuation side. So valuation is the first and then or, or appraisal and then that argy-bargy between the buyer and the seller in relation to what the, um, you know, what their expectations are of the business moving forward and therefore, you, you know, the, a fair value for the business and how the per, the terms of that sale will happen. Is it, all, you know, all up front or, or do we have deferred payments because we have a concern about what the future profitability or revenue in the, in the business might be? So it's great to hear what's going on right now. I'm really interested. You, I guess you've talked about this from the perspective of when you're prepping um, when you're prepping a business for the, for the market in terms of looking at the figures and working out what you're going to list the business at, how how are you finding that negotiation um, point at the moment between buyers and sellers? You know how how are buyers reacting to the um, the uncertainty of uh, figures because of this fluctuation uh, volatility in in the um, performance of the business through revenue or profit over the past couple of years? Yeah, again, I think we're in a situation right now. So like we referred to before, we're at the back end of COVID, hopefully. Um, we genuinely hope it's behind us. Um, so buyers are rightfully coming to us and I guess analysing a set of figures and doing what I'm trying to do, and that's um, actually come up with an EBITDA figure. Um, whereby they can make a reasonable assessment of what the business might do going forward. During the period of COVID, which you know, lasted every bit of 18 months, um, I, I form the opinion, and I think it's sort of holding true, that we will need at least six, if not 12 months of post-COVID trade to take place before we get a feel for where a business um, has ended up post-COVID. Um, we're now about six months into that. I think it's going to be at least another six months until we can present a set of figures to potential buyers for a subject business um, with some post-COVID trade um, behind them, which can demonstrate that the business has kind of picked up where it left off pre-COVID or it's improved or it's hasn't it or it's gone backwards. Um, but you're again with that vaccine uh, fridge and freezer business, I'm almost inclined to completely ignore FY21 because when we look at FY19, 20, and then 22, you actually can see the trend, which looks quite reasonable and quite normal. And it takes out that, um, that year of COVID trade where vaccine fridges were in huge demand. Um, 
and it, in my opinion, presents a more reasonable set of figures to the marketplace for them to assess. Um, again, it's all tied around this, rather than presenting an EBITDA, presenting an EBITDA and explaining why. Um, and this, this EBITDA notion, um, in five years from now, we won't be talking about it because hopefully it's not relevant. But right now, and I think for the next probably 12 or 24 months, when we are looking at trading conditions and profit and loss statements during FY 2021 and 22, which were all impacted by COVID, I think this EBITDA notion um, or term has a real place. So good. And I love that we have a name for it now because you're absolutely right. It's clearly happening out in the market in terms of buyers coming in and needing to come up with, uh, you know, their assessment of the value of the business. EBITDA, there we go. We've got a name for it now. But just before we leave, I, I, I just I've got a couple of very quick questions. What impact do you think that this assessment of yours um, in relation to, you know, the fact that we're probably still six months away from uh, being able to see more uh, a more normal trend within businesses in terms of whether up to for, for a valuation perspective. What impact do you think this has or should have on the timing of when sellers are thinking about going to market? Um, I think it assists because uh, vendors or um, sellers will be in a position where you can present a set of figures to the market um, taking out the, the fluctuations and the impacts of COVID, um, it might little, be a little bit arbitrary at times, but if you set forward the assumptions being made and why you have or haven't excluded some income or you have or haven't um, uh, excluded some costs, I think that calculation of EBITDA can be reasonably supported and it, allow, it will allow a vendor to get their business to market now rather than in six or 12 months' time once they've got that post-COVID trade behind them. Brilliant. Such a good point. And and I guess just on the buy side, does that have any impact on the timing of acquisitions as well? I don't think so. Um, buyers, what I'm finding at the moment, buyers are out there, um, they're wanting to transact based on their own personal situations um, or you know the, the group that they're acting for. They just need to make sense of the numbers today um, based on what the business has done. Again, I think it um, as a broker presenting figures on behalf of the vendor, to present a realistic figures, uh, set of figures with an EBITDA calculation actually assists the buyer um, and makes the process more transparent because you're not trying to sell the business off the back of inflated COVID figures if the business has actually seen an uplift, um, but you're also reasonably not trying to um, sell the business based on uh, some poor trading conditions if they're impacted by COVID. So I think it's a fair and reasonable way to look at it for both the buyer and the seller um, and work through what was this you know, this unique set of circumstances that is COVID um, and trying to yeah, present a set of figures that um, takes the impact of COVID, be it negative or positive, um, out of the equation. And allows them to transact now rather than waiting for six to 12 months, as we say. Exactly. Love it, Cameron. EBITDAC, you've heard it here first. <laughs> or maybe you haven't. Maybe you've heard it somewhere else. I don't think you have. I haven't heard it around before. I love it, Cameron. What a great title. Cameron, huge thank you for coming on to the show. If any of our listeners want to get in contact with you, how do they do that? Yes, yeah, certainly. I, I, uh, I'm a broker with a group called Exclusive Business Sales. Um, they can contact uh, the Sydney head office 
um, just contact details are on the website, which is exclusive.com.au. And, of course, we'll link through to that, Cameron. In our show notes, if you are running along the beach right now and um, can't haven't been able to write that down, fair enough, good plan, healthy you. Um, but you'll be able to find it in your show notes um, on, the, uh, on your podcast player or over at our website, thedealroompodcast.com. Cameron, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it for our episode today with Cameron Ryan from Exclusive Business Brokers talking all about this new terminology, EBITDAC. Fabulous. I love a bit of innovation in the industry. This sounds a bit innovative to me, a whole new terminology, (laughs) a whole new acronym that we have to work with. So if you want to find out more about this topic or get a uh, transcript of the podcast episode in full detail, or if you want to link straight through to Cameron at Exclusive Business Brokers, then head over to our website at www.thedealroompodcast.com. Dot com dot au. And as I say, there you'll be able to find the contact details for Cameron at Exclusive Business Brokers. And on that website, you will also be able to find details for how you can book in a free initial call with our legal legals at Aspect Legal to find out how we might be able to assist you or your buyers or sellers with their acquisition or sale. We have a number of great services for both small and large deals, and we'd love to be able to assist. Well, that's it. I really hope you enjoyed what you heard today. If you did, please don't be shy in heading to the reviews page and leaving us a bit of a review. We'd be ever so grateful. And while you're there, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. All right. Well, that's it. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. I am so very excited to announce that I've hit a non-podcast related milestone and released a book. You might wonder why? Simple. I wanted to help business owners understand the mechanics of deal making and the interaction between three critical phases of business, acquisition, growth, and exit. And so I am very happy to announce Buy, Grow, Exit, a guidebook for business owners and their advisors on how to buy, grow, and guess what, exit in a way that maximizes value and avoids landmines along the way. The book is available now, so just head over to buygrowexit.com.au to get your copy and to access a whole heap of free resources that will really help you on your journey of acquisition, growth, and exit in your business or in working with your clients. Also check out our show notes where we will link straight through to that page. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen. that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. 